and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. everybody welcome back to another episode of the remnant call god bless each one of you that are listening in here tonight tomorrow and for the years to come hopefully not too much longer we're praying the lord returns because i don't know about you but i'm sick of this old world um but just a quick update um thank you all for praying uh you know the tr- the hardships i went through lost my best friend growing up um thank you for praying for that uh talked to my sister again for a moment the other day and folks i'm telling you i hope one day to have her here on the remnant call uh, for those who have heard my story the return of the prodigal son and know my life of drug addiction and fighting and all the different things i was involved in just to, her story is going to make mine look like the perfect son and i cannot wait when she shares that one day because the Lord is working on her heart. She's got about another year in prison and thank God she's going to be getting out. And we're very excited about that. And we believe in the miracles of God and nothing is going to be greater than seeing all the family in the kingdom. And I can't wait. Well, folks, for those that did not catch last week's program on revival, folks, there is true revival amongst God's people. Now I'd like to dispel all this you know, kind of crazy talk out there about America and the nation being revived and all these things. Listen, you can let that go, but there is true revival among God's people. Joel talked about it, the prophet. It's in the word of God, and God is calling us to a season of fasting and prayer and seeking his face with all of our heart. If you didn't catch last week's program on revival, you need to tune in. It's in the word of God. He wants it to happen. We need revival just to face what's going to happen in these last days, and God has a way. It's always been the same, and there was a paper that I mentioned on revival. And if you look it up on the internet, it is by Richard Owens and is on the solemn assembly. You can Google it on the internet. It's one of the best uh, research papers. It's not too long, but it's a, uh, just a documentation of all the biblical revivals. And folks, you'll see that they all happen the same way. And if they've always happened the same way, why would we think that God would do it differently now? And so following his word is always a very safe place to go. Well, tonight we have a very exciting guest. If you saw the topic of the show, UFOs in the Scroll of Destiny, and our guest tonight is Dr. Michael Lake. We've had him on the Remnant Call once before, and uh, I had the privilege of getting to meet him face-to-face in March and have lunch with him. He's an amazing guy, and he quickly became one of my favorites after just one show because I understood the deep spiritual connection and the desire that Dr. Lake has to bring people to know who the Lord Yeshua Jesus is. And so with that, I will bring him on the show. Dr. Lake, are you here with us? I am, Frank. It's a pleasure to be with you tonight. Well, God bless you, Dr. Lake. I was just so happy to be able to meet you, uh, get to know you a little bit, and understand um, a little bit more uh, about the things that you do, as I've learned and kind of kept track of the your shows and interviews. Uh, Dr. Lake, you're a man who likes to dig into the deeper things of God, and you have a website that you keep everybody kind of posted on what's going on. Could you share that with uh, how people can follow what you do? Yeah, our main hub is kingdomintelligencebriefing.com, and I know that's longer than mayonnaise. Uh, So we've also abbreviated to where you can just do drmichaellake.com, and it'll take you to the same site. Amen. Amen. And so you, I know you do a lot of different radio shows, and you have your own shows, and you also do your own teachings, um, biblical studies on there, and where you uh, do different topics in a, in a deeper type of way. Am I correct on that? Yeah, we, uh, we have uh, Biblical Life TV that we have up on the Internet. In fact, I think I'm getting ready to upload 
episode 80 something if i'm if i'm not mistaken on on understanding the kingdom and then we have uh, many of the in-depth things i've done for the seminary uh through biblical life resources is now available to anyone so there's i think there's like six college level courses that i've taught whether it's spiritual warfare hearing the voice of god uh, the priest of the believer, a lot of different things that uh, people can just take and uh, just to get deep into the Word of God for themselves. Amen for that. Well, Dr. Lake, I had talked to you earlier about the show and some of the things that have been on my heart lately. And one of the big things that's troubling, not me personally, but it's troubling my conversations that I've had with other people. It's troubling me when I listen to this. And one of the things you've seen lately that's going on, and that is just this unbelievable increased uh, UFO um, releasing from the news media into uh, the world. And we we know the occult was exposed big time in the last election. We, We already knew it was in the leaders, but it came to the forefront uh, when the emails were hacked and all that stuff. But now there seems to be this increase uh, lately in the last few weeks of just unbelievable amounts of UFO uh, interactions, new protocols by the Navy and things like that. Dr. Lake, do you see a pattern beginning to form? And, you know, I see all the Marvel movies, DC, Hollywood. It seems like everything out there is pushing us towards some type of belief in an alien system. Are you seeing the same thing? I am, and what we're really seeing is a program of soft disclosure uh, that uh, those behind the scenes that have kept uh, the, you know, the UFO stuff and the existence of what they call aliens, they're not their interdimensional beings that the Bible talks about, whether they're fallen angels, the demonic uh, watchers, principalities, powers, rulers, that they, um, you know, it used to be that that was so highly classified that even the president of the United States was told that he didn't have a need to know. But now they're moving to the place of, of soft disclosure, and that's preparing the public for when they, when they make their announcements. And one of the things that I postulated in my first book is that our, all the technological breakthroughs that we have coincide with the beginning of the releasing of the watchers around the 20th century. And uh, you can go back to the book, book of Enoch, and uh, they were supposed to be uh, incarcerated for 70 generations. And so you go back, you go back to the time that uh, right about Noah's flood, and it actually comes to the 20th century, and there's even proof. And the elite have known uh, that they need the watcher technologies to fulfill uh, everything they need to do. And so in the 19th century, they released uh, three mind viruses. One was eugenics, evolution, and then spiritism. And, of course, we see all three of those coming together in a perfect crescendo in what was called the Nazi Party, that uh, they were actually channeling advanced technology from these beings. And when we entered into World War II with them, we were still flying prop planes while they were flying jets. And so we need to know this stuff is real, that there's a spiritual aspect to it. The Word of God's warned us about it all along. And we need to put things back into a spiritual perspective with a biblical worldview. Well, be, myself being an IT um, person, I've, you know, I've, I've see all the stuff, the hype and everybody, you know, 5G and all these things that are going on. The other day I was on a particular site with a very large vendor and it was touting in the artificial intelligence how smart their ai was and it was telling me back on the screen listen you can say full sentence everything it can handle we can respond our ai can respond and and handle this and it was kind of a new level uh, kind of a shock to me i know it's always there i've talked to it but this was a pretty advanced uh interaction that we could have and and you could call in on the phone and same things why this AI seems to be playing into in the whole spreading of 5G to get a faster internet seems to be playing into this overall uh, prepping of the mind to accept something that is um, well let's just say out of this world. Absolutely, you know when you when you look at uh, artificial intelligence, there's three levels to it, and you know one of them is like what we deal with with Alexa, Siri, and all that, and. And, you know, I, I've, I've tried those technologies, and half the time I yell at it instead of getting anything out of it because it, 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 its learning curve is really bad. But when it gets to the place where it has standardized intelligence or that equal to humans, 
what we have not been told, there's only a few people uh, that are writing books now on AI that will share the people the truth. When it gets that where it is the same equivalent of you sitting down talking to another human, uh, that you know, 100 IQ, uh, very well versed, and, and can you know, maintain the dialogue very easily. When it gets there, for it to transcend to super intelligence, it's probably be about a 90-day period. And that, wow. that's when we get to uh, how it unfolds in the image of the beast and, and how the, the, uh, those into transhumanism and artificial intelligence, they have rejected the God of the Bible. And they have said themselves what, the, what they are building is their own digital deity. Wow, and that's scary. Because that, that deity is beginning to speak uh, unto people through these vast and various technologies. Um, you know, just a, a side note, uh, CFO from a large company around here, I was talking to him the other day, happened to go, had gone to school with him. And he was like, Frank, he said, listen, we were literally driving my wife and I up in northern Virginia by this particular um, place they had commercials on years ago. Uh, they did training and different things, kind of like an ITT, one of those things. And he said, my wife and I were just in the car. We were just talking about it. You know, weren't talking in, you know, they have iPhones that have been Siri, I believe. And uh, so they were just talking around. He said, if I didn't get home that night and we had pop-ups for that thing all over. Now, I've seen that with Alexa and hearing people that are, you know, have their Facebook logged in. But he's, this is a guy who's not on his phone all the time. And he's like, I couldn't believe it. It literally picked me up and was popping this place up when we got home. That, yeah, uh, I guess we're nice about that with Google. There's been a lot of people say that that they're, they they'll have their Chrome browser open, or they have a Google phone or something, and uh, they're they're sitting there talking to their mate about something. The next time they go online, there's all the ads about what they have never typed, but simply discussed with their phone nearby. Well, what I'm you know for I tell people often if you don't want people to know what you're searching on the web, then don't search it. Because of the intelligence that's going on now, even when you're searching privately, they build based on their algorithms and characteristics of what you're doing. They are building a digital profile of you even when you are not noticeably logged in and you think you're sur surfing in private, uh, which is building into a larger database, which shows them proper ways on how they can be more suggestive besides tracking you, but also suggestive to you. I mean, we often talk about how often they want to track, but my wonder is how much of this data is actually so they can suggest things into our minds. I think suggest things into our minds as well as to build a psychological profile on when they need to, that they can manipulate you uh, okay. well beyond, well beyond buying a new car. You know, what, what is the best way to silence this individual if what they're saying is from the Bible and now the government has deemed that, uh, you know, something that we don't want people to talk about. We have, we have a new way of thinking. We have new speak. We have, you know, uh, it, 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 you're, you're almost seeing that now in China that everything that is done online gives a social credit score. And if you go against what is the assigned topics and proper attitudes, uh, you may find yourself where you can't do business, you can't get a loan, you can't even fly in an airplane. And uh, I, I think a lot of these things they will test in some of these other nations before they go mainstream in the Western world. And mm, I agree. You know, it seems like this, all this um, stuff that's going on, too, in this suggestion, and, and I was talking to you earlier about just the movies that are going on. Everything is leading us not only to an alien influence but there is an absolute transhuman infatuation that is going on right now um that's reaching the scary part is it's reaching down to the children you know we all wanted to be superman when we were little and we all wanted to be you know this whatever it was but now it seems to be that it's more than just wanting to be that it's actual people are believing that this may actually be possible and i've got to believe that there's some larger plan in place right now tied in with this whole UFO deception that's going on um, to actually get even those who are believers to disregard their faith, uh, no matter, you know, whatever this giant deception that's coming is revealed. 
You know, I remember uh, watching when the CW was beginning to bring out all their shows and everything. You know, they have uh, Supergirl and, and several others. And they were talking about it, and they said, you know, actually what we're doing, we are building gods. And so that, that kind of perked my interest, not because, you know, I always liked action heroes and Iron Man and all that stuff, even when I was a kid. You know, most kids do. But what I didn't realize is all it is is a modernization of the old mythologies. And the old mythologies were uh, not only mystery religion codes within it, but it was, it was keeping within the human consciousness of the men of renown, the Nephilim, uh, the, uh, the, the legends of, of the old ones during what the, the occult called the Golden Age. And then you have a lot of other things brought in. Of course, Superman was the ubermensch that the Nazis had promised, and so the cartoons produced him here in America. Uh, you look at some of his, his arch villain was Aliester Crowley or Lex Luthor, and we were talking today that uh, even Wonder Woman was built on Margaret Singer, and uh, that uh, the reason that she has a lasso of truth is because uh, her boyfriend was the creator of the polygraph. And so these guys were just pulling from everything that they could pull from, but it, it's to uh, change the mindsets of humanity. I've even noticed now they're beginning to talk about metahumans and all these things, which, are, which, is, which is transhumans, that there's, there's ancient genes either reactivated or there are new alien genes that have been inserted within our genome uh, to give us superpowers. And that's Genesis 6 all over again. So it's basically the return of the Nephilim all over again uh, that's happening here in the United States. Um, my concern is with this, and, and I was talking to a friend of mine, and he, his church he attends, it's a, it's a good group of people there. Um, but I asked him, I said, does your pastor even talk about these things? Uh, or mention this stuff, uh, you know, I said, and we were talking about how much UFO is being, you know, and this alien thing is being pushed upon out through the news and everything. And, and he says, no, nobody talks about that. My, I guess, Dr. Lake, do you think the church in America is ready to handle this kind of a deception or this kind of a release that maybe we are, were seeded from a diff, you know, from a alien species millions of years ago? Or what do you think the effects could be? Well, of course, you know, the perfect uh, place to build a deception like that is on a, on a foundation of ignorance. And we have that to a certain degree. When, when we look at, you know, I'm looking over church history over probably the last, say, uh, four or five decades, we have transitioned from really being Bible-based to what God wants in my life. You know, first of all, giving my life absolutely to Jesus, finding out who I am in him, and begin actively participating in the kingdom, we, we have gravitated toward this Laodicean type of theology, which is, you know, about me feeling good now. And it, it's all about feelings. It's not about faith. It's not about faithfulness. Uh, and be, because of that, we have drifted away from the things that uh, traditionally the church has always taught strongly. And I mean, I was, I was uh, saved at 12. Uh, on my 13th birthday, I surrendered to ministry at the Baptist altar. And I remember in the Baptist Church, we had a lot of a lot of teachings on on end time prophecy and what the mark of the beast might be, and and how we need to stand up for Jesus. And I, I think that uh, because the church is so ignorant on this anymore, uh, that we that has really become a a, a great uh, seedbed for deception if we're not careful. Uh, I know that uh, Chris Tomlin here last year uh, released a song called Is He Worthy? And it's actually, that song is about the unfolding of Revelation chapter 5 with the scroll of destiny. And it's really resonating with people this year. And I remember listening to it on the radio and the, uh, the uh, hosts on the radio show couldn't really understand why people were connecting to it. You know, well, it's always a good thing to praise God because, of course, Revelation, 5, uh, Revelation chapter 5 with the scroll of destiny is the greatest worship session ever recorded in all the Word of God. And so they were just, you know, well, it's praise and worship. That's why everybody's resonating with it. How about that? We're, we're prophetically beginning to sense that we're getting close to the time when there's going to be a clarion call issued from heaven to see who is worthy to open the scroll. And because of that, those that have... That have, that have spiritual ears are sensing that because we're drawing close to it, it begins resonating with our spirit man, which is very much alive and very much aware of what's going on. 
but a lot of the church d- doesn't know. Uh, I know I have I have sat down with pastors. I have sat down uh, with uh, even bishops and began explaining some of the things that I that I that I do, and they're they're taken aback. It, it's like that is so far off of their grid that when they stop to think about it, all of a sudden, the evening news makes sense. You know, the, the things that we're, we're picking up on the Internet all of a sudden make sense, and they start connecting the dots. And I, I think that's what the remnant need to do right now, but we've got, we've got to uh, kind of shake off the, uh, the slumber of Laodicea and get, getting back to being that church without spot or wrinkle that are preparing for the bridegroom to come back. I agree. And, my, you know, the thing is, when you don't have a solid um, bi- biblical teaching, uh, our basis to what you stand upon. Uh, and, and we know that the Word of God talks about this famine in the land that men are running to and fro, uh, you know, trying to find a word of truth, and they're not finding it. And, and then you've been brought up in a, in a halfway church, and then all of a sudden this strong delusion comes in and this release of what, you know, whatever it might be. Um, we know that it's going to be supernatural that's coming because the Bible says that, you know, there'll be a statue that's going to speak, fire coming from heaven. Those are just things that are just boldly out there in the open. Uh, there are things that's coming that are going to be unbelievable. And, and how is your faith going to react when the whole world tells you something different than what the Word of God says? And for me, that's, that's troubling, uh, not to me personally. But I'm troubled because I care for people and I want people to know the truth and to understand that it is possible that God can, and it not only is it possible, he will protect you through these times um, if we will allow him. And, and I'm sure that's stuff that you have, uh, are fighting against always uh, in your own teachings is getting people to understand the importance of knowing truth through this hour of deception. Oh, it is, and I, th- I think that, uh, you know, when we're looking at the book of Revelation and understanding what's going on, uh, I, don't, I don't look at the image of the beast as a statue that speaks. I mean, that, that would have worked a couple hundred years ago. Uh, but, you know, looking biblically, just using the biblical um, phrase, I'm creating the image of God, okay? I'm not a statue, but I speak, and I, but there's, there's something imprinted that matches the, the image of God that God created within me. And when, when I look now at the technology that's out there, what I see is something that is going to be in the image of the beast, but is going to be global. And I think there's six technologies that are just uh, absolutely coming together or converging that is going to enable that, uh, that image of the beast. And one of them we've already touched on, artificial intelligence, and, and how that they're wanting to build their cyber god. We also have, uh, there's been a lot of chatter both in transhumanism and AI on the hive mind. And that's something that, uh, of course, DARPA has been wanting for a long time with soldiers that they like to turn them into a drone that they can just, you know, uh, that they can just control with a joystick somewhere, but to have this hive mind. And I was reading some papers uh, by, by some transhumanists that are, are very futuristic in what they're talking about. And they said, you know, with all the... Um, you know, like bees can solve awesome problems, ants can solve awesome problems because they, they approach it as a hive mind. But we pesky humans, uh, you know, have you ever seen a social media thread that goes to the left and then takes a dive? You know, you, you can start talking about uh, the mark of the beast and it ends up being Domino's pizza, okay? And what, they, what they, they've been testing, having AI in the background to gently guide and influence and to begin harmonizing the hive mind so that group think can produce answers that an individual couldn't. And they're using social media, they're using the Internet to do that. Uh, we, have trans, uh, we have transhumanism that wants to integrate with the AI. Uh, we have something called Internet of Things. And with the new uh, ISP system that they have, we can literally give a, a IPS address to every blade of grass on the planet. Okay. So what that means is not only are there going to be tech assets like your refrigerator, your car, your iPhone, but eventually you're going, you're going to be assigned one. You're going to have your own individual IP, and to make sure that no one else can uh, spoof it, we're going to blockchain it. 
that the same technology they're using for cryptocurrency, they're going to, I think they're going to use for their overall system of, of targeting and numbering and cataloging human beings. And blockchain has some, I, I think it was actually made by an AI. Uh, let's say that we had a terabyte of blockchain stored on my hard drive and the hard drive crashes and I have, let's say, uh, half a megabyte left of, of that whole blockchain. Did you know that you can put that into a system and let it replicate for a while and it will eventually rebuild the entire terabyte of information? It's like wow. it's, there's, there's like a digital DNA built into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we bring in 5G, and I think 5G is only going to be a step up to 6G, which they're now talking about quantum Internet, which connects to the global plane. And so you, you have something at the speed of thought that has identified you, and it cannot be altered, that you are that now the transhumanists are saying, okay, now that we have built our God, we want to commune with our God, and you get plugged into the system. In that system, you no longer have individual thought. You're in a hive mind where that AI is guiding your every thought. Welcome to the market beast. Yeah, and and that's interesting. You know about the that you're talking about blockchain and and uh, the quantum level internet the quantum level internet is already in play in a, a particular form it's called li-fi right now and it is a new version of wi-fi it's l-i-f-i anybody can look it up you can go watch stuff on it i saw uh, an ad in the paper for our city just over the mountain here they were looking for somebody to install li-fi and they've already realized that they can transmit data faster on led the frequency that runs led lights than they can on wired and fiber optics and uh, it, it's amazing that they're – so this Li-Fi, the technology is so amazing and the security is so great because if you can't see the light, obviously your signal doesn't pass through the walls. It doesn't go outside. Um, so that's, that's great, but it acts faster than fiber and anything else they have in a wired sense uh, right now. And then they take that up and put it into satellites uh, on photons and everything running it back and forth. They can coat this earth in a completely 100% saturated global grid that knows everything the interesting thing is is that it doesn't take much data storage wise to have your entire life packed into it when it's in text it's in ones and zeros it's not much for every single thing you've ever done in your life to be packed into a little tiny bit of storage space oh absolutely one of those one of those old floppies just about uh but it, and so it, it would only take a petabyte or two to to have the entire human race categorized and and with that with that at the fingertips of the AI. Absolutely. Well, you you mentioned earlier about in Revelation and the Scroll of Destiny. Um, that's a very interesting topic, and that that song you talked about. Um, but the Scroll of Destiny is something that you've been kind of digging into lately, and how is that? Bring us how that is applying right now, and what that is. What is the scroll of destiny? The scroll of destiny is the plan that that God has. There's there's a there's a lot of prophetic imagery in Revelation chapter five, uh, like there are seven seals, which means that it is kept in because one of the, the one of the things seven represents is absolute. You know when when it talks about Jesus having seven horns and and seven eyes. He's just talking about him having absolute power, because that horn represents kingship, absolute power and absolute wisdom and insight. And so when that scroll has seven seals, it's because it's absolute. Just like when you get into the bowls of wrath, there are seven bowls because absolute wrath is poured out. You, you have the trumpets, absolute announcements are being made. Uh, so this, this scroll has been kept in absolute secrecy. The, the hell doesn't know what's in it. And in its own language, when you can date it back into ancient times, how they would speak of, of such a, a scroll, it's written in the front and the back. The Bible is very succinct about that, which means it is, is an elaborate, complete plan. And that John goes on to say, not only you know, was no one found worthy to open it, but no one can even look on it, which means that the kingdom of darkness doesn't know what's in the scroll. They have, they have no idea what God's going to do. Now, when we see the seals open, we can see some of the effects, but just because you know, okay, the Bible says this little bit and this little bit and this little bit is going to happen, 
don't think that you know the whole thing of what's in that scroll. That as, as it begins to open, and as Jesus begins to reveal these things, it, it's, it's going to take even hell itself uh, by storm because it's going to be a shock to them at the absolute completeness of God's plan that is infallible, that there's nothing that hell can do to stop it. And there's, there's several things when you look at Revelation chapter 5 that really jump out to me. Number one is, you know, John sees this, there's this announcement, and when this announcement is given, the Bible says everything in heaven, everything in earth, and everything under the earth, here's the announcement. And then John is moved to tears because no one's found worthy. And he's told, listen, the line of the tribe of Judah, he can open the scroll. And when he turns, he sees the lamb as it had been slain. And Frank, when I read that, it, it, it jumped out to me because there is a synchronicity to God's plan that God has connected the dots and the devil can't. And as I was thinking about that, God said, follow the lamb. And, and so that's part of my teaching was I, I was following the lamb of God from Passover to what Abraham did. And because Abraham was in covenant with God, in blood covenant, because he was willing to give his son on the altar, it opened the door that Almighty God could give his son on the altar for humanity, to redeem all humanity back in this principality war, that he's taking the nations back from the principalities, powers, and rulers that took them at the Tower of Babel when God divorced humanity because of what had happened there. And so there's this whole thing plays out, because Jesus died for our sins, resurrected victorious over death, hell, and the grave, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. That qualified him to open the scroll. And that answered for me a, a conundrum that I had in, in the book of Hebrews where it said that Jesus, because of the things that he suffered, was made more perfect. And I'm thinking, how can God be made more perfect? I mean, he's by very definition, he's absolute perfection. How can he be made more perfect? And when I, when I looked up that Hebrew word, it's, it's a variant of, of teleos, I think it's teleu, which, which means to mature for a purpose, to be brought in position for a purpose. And because he was the lamb that was slain, because he completed part A, he could now do part B. And that, that just it excited me because, Frank, for, for both of us, I know a lot of our believers, we, we, we look and say, God brought me through a hard place. We know whether it was drugs and alcohol, whether, you know, in my case, we had uh, 10 years where we had the occult trying to kill my family. We end up finding out stuff about mind control and, and the Illuminati and all kinds of crazy things. And... God brought us through it, but if he hadn't have allowed us to go through it and brought us through it, we couldn't be doing what we're doing now. It's like God said, okay, I need to take you through A to get you to B because I want you to fulfill C. And we see the same thing with Jesus. Because he was the lamb that was slain, that he was, he was able to be victorious in that moment and to take the scroll and begin to open it. And people don't realize, because I, I, I take the book of Revelation very literally. I'm kind of old school about that. I was always taught, take the book literally, unless there's so much prophetic imagery that you must uh, either look at it you know, from a prof using prophetic imagery or whatever. But if you don't, you take it literally. And we, we see worship break out in heaven. And that's awesome. They're, they're, they're rejoicing because he was able to open up the scroll. But the Word of God doesn't stop there. And this is why this is the greatest praise session ever recorded in the Word of God. Because it, it spills outside of heaven. The Bible says everything on the earth confesses that Jesus is worthy to open the scroll. Now, can you imagine for a minute all the atheists talking and, and our politicians up in Washington, D.C. talking and the people at Planned Parenthood talking and all these talking heads at the exact same time stop their babble and begin proclaiming how that Jesus is worthy to open the scroll. Amen. That would be headlines on CNN, don't you think? I believe so. But the Bible doesn't stop there. It said that everything under the earth, in Sheol, 
can you imagine Satan setting down or Lucifer setting down with, with uh, his counsel, trying to figure out how he's going to win the war? And all of a sudden, out of all their mouths, they begin proclaiming that the Lamb is worthy to open the scroll. And then that, when you understand the context of Revelation 5, then, then, then after that lifts off of him, he turns to his guys and said, there was a scroll? <laughs> can, can you imagine the fear that sets in on hell? Can you imagine the reality of, of what happens at that moment? I always know there's going to be a watershed event that the Apostle Paul talked about where Israel will be saved in one day. And I have wondered if that Revelation chapter 5 is not the catalyst to bring that day about. Well, you know, it's interesting. This Okay, so just a few things noticing right here. Um, that, you know, it's, it starts about being worthy and, and understanding that Christ was the one who was worthy. But he's in the midst of the people. And I noticed that it said that the Lord, his father, it reaches out his right hand and hands him the scroll. And, and then obviously worship begins to break out um, when Christ is in the midst. What threw me, what kind of tying back is, in, you were just saying about everybody being revealed, is back into Isaiah uh, 52, it says, The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all nations, and all the ends of the earth shall, shall see the salvation of our God. And before I even looked at that verse and thought about that, I thought when he was putting out his right arm and handing that scroll, that, you know, that right arm of salvation, and flipping back there, I mean, it could be these things tie together. Um, you know, that watershed moment you were talking about. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, you, it's you powerful. Look at, Go ahead. I said, you even look at how that uh, Israel named his 12 sons, and, and it's actually the story of Christ. And when he got to Benjamin, uh, because his wife was dying, she said he was going to be the son of my sorrow. And no, it's going to be Benjamin, the son of my right hand. Because the right hand of salvation has always been Yeshua. It's always been Jesus. Amen. And so it is, it is, uh, so the right hand of God was able to receive the scroll from the hand of the Father. Wow. You know, spiritually, when Christ is in the midst, worship must break out. Oh, absolutely, and, and I, I think it breaks out in the revealing. You know, we, we look at the word apocalypse, and everybody, you know, we've made that word apocalypse to where, you know, it's like a, an apocalyptic earthquake movement, an apocalyptic, you know, there's going to be an asteroid hit, hit, you know, hit the planet, and it's going to be apocalyptic. Well, apocalypse simply means revealing. And one of the things that I have taught for years is that the book of Revelation is the fifth gospel. And it's a gospel to the church because by the time that we see these things unfolding, the church has forgotten who Jesus really is. Mm. Yeah. You know, the book of Revelation is a book of hope. I know yeah. people see all the cryptic things that make them nervous, but honestly, it is one of the absolute most hope-filled books in the entire Bible. It lays it all out. Christ is victorious. He wins. It's God's. Everything is destroyed that is against God's people. He's coming back to make the wrong right. It is the ultimate book of hope. It is. It's the process of the, the parable of the wheat and the tares. The wheat stays and the tare gets pulled up. And God, God has, has such an awesome plan. And... You know, I, I remember, you, this is back, kind of show my age, this was back in the 70s. I remember this one minister teaching, and he said, you can always tell somebody when they're really close to God, because when they start studying the book of Revelation, they just get this grit and this silly grin on their face. <laughs> you know? Because it's like, no matter how bad we think the world can get, and no matter how, what the enemy thinks that, that they have, ever, all humanity in this vice, and in this ultimate deception that's going to come, God has a plan. He is going to have his remnant. He's going to have those that will embrace Christ are going to be are going to be his harvest. 
the lamb is going to receive the reward of his suffering. And he's going to sit, and, and I believe the millennial reign is a real reign. Jesus is going to rule and reign for 1,000 years. He's going to do what no other government and what no other king could do. Is he? And because there's there's a precedent we see this in Torah, that you know God wanted to be their king, and they wanted to. And although within Torah he said, I know you're not going to want you know be satisfied with that, and so you're going to want a man. And so here's the regulations for having an earthly king, but he'll tax you and all these different things. But in this process, God says, okay, I want to be your king, but you want you want a man to be your king. So God took on the form of human flesh. And he said, I'm going to give you a human king, but it's still going to be me. And I'm going to rule and reign this planet for a thousand years with unprecedented peace and unprecedented blessing that Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years so that you can know what my kingdom is like and and to to defeat the enemy for your sake. You know, God's not having to defeat Lucifer for our sake, for his sake, it's for our sake. Because he loves us. Yes. And these guys, these things are real. The word of God is real. Uh we're living in a time that uh I I wish I had a staff of about 10 researchers because it would take 10 of them working full time just to keep up with how, how biblical prophecy is unfolding in our day. It is, it is absolutely unprecedented. I remember where back in the 90s, I could maybe spend an hour a week and keep up with it. And uh, I, I could easily spend 40 hours a week and not even scratch the surface anymore. And I, I know you feel the same way, Frank. It's, it's constantly. And, and, and the thing about the Word of God is, is, is present truth is... Um, it's it's adjusting, and, and for people that don't understand present truth, um, the Bible has always been true throughout the ages, but different circumstances present different ways of truth being applied. And it's interesting how what was thought to be only spiritual way back in the day is now actually turned out to be literal because they couldn't see it. Um, but there were spiritual applications applied to it back in the day that was true. Um, but now we see, you know, it, it used to belie- be believed that Israel would actually never become a nation again by the church. That was that was, they couldn't foresee that ever happening. It was all that taken was spiritually. That was prominent Go theology ahead. prior to uh, prior to 1948. It was the prominent theology of evangelical Protestants. Mm-hmm. That's right. And and there was some other theology that tied in with some of that that was actually true when you understand about being grafted in, and we are a part of Israel, and that's that's a an exciting thing. I mean, thank God for Romans chapter eleven that I, I'm a part of Israel. I I don't care what my lineage was, but I've been grafted in, and now I've been I'm a part of the root, and and I'm I'm literally a part of the family. And so is everybody else that's grafted in. But it's amazing how that present truth, and, and now the Bible, it's kind of shocking how things that were seen so spiritually are now looking like, wow, there's actually technology to literally do this stuff now. Oh, there is. And one of the things I have discovered, because I've, I've been studying Bible prophecy for decades, and I've realized uh, you know, especially since I've been studying quantum physics and temporal mechanics and a lot of these things, trying to keep up with these things, is that we cannot interpret biblical prophecy beyond our paradigm. And that's why, you know, back in the 80s, everybody thought that the mark of the beast was the barcode on your can of Campbell's soup. It's because that's all that we could wrap our head around because that's where we were technologically. And and now technologically, we are advancing at such a pace and and. Those listening tonight need to realize you can have the newest iPhone, you can have the best computer that money can buy. All the things that we see that's on the commercial market are trinkets compared to what they have in, 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 in black science and, and black laboratories that uh, the real power players have. They're, they may be 100 years ahead of us. Uh, you know, it used to be the paradigm was that they were 30 to 50 years. Now they're 100 years and in some areas of transhumanism where we're talking about gene splicing and things like that, 
that, that there have been some researchers that have uh, publicly confessed that they may be a thousand years ahead of what the public knows. Uh, that's just in, that's insane. But I, I mean, I I think I had mentioned this when you were on here last time um, about I was watching a program over I don't remember how many years ago fifteen. It was in the 90s, actually, I believe it was, and um, there were some professors from MIT, they were developing robotics, and they were putting down, um, they were putting down, giving, teaching the robots that they got certain things, they would get a reward, and unexpectedly, the robots began battling each other for the reward, and the the professor, the man from MIT, he looked at the camera and said, we don't know what we've gotten into. And this is way back before that stuff was even, that was only just, you know, completely fictional. And yeah, they opened up a, and didn't even know there was a can they could open. That's right. They opened up Pandora's box. Um, you know, what I noticed is, is that each one of these seals in that scroll of destiny, each one of them are cleansing in a way. If you look at it, they're oh. cleansing things on this earth and destroying and wiping out in the preparation for the return. And it, it kind of parallels, reminds me in, or looks, you know, looks at it, Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the ways of everlasting and it seems like as to, you know a lot of times the tribulation we people see it as well that's for the wicked but i believe that the tribulation is actually for god's people it it's not that i'm excited about it but he's preparing a bride he's preparing a, a without spot or wrinkle he's preparing a people and at this scroll is cleansing some of the wicked on this earth and the things on this earth at the same time god is doing a it seems like a house cleaning in his own people. And well, that, that I, has been his way. Ahead. Yeah. No, that's always been his way. And in that process, you become more something more than you could have without it. And that, that that's something that's very interesting to the human condition. That many times the greatest, you know, we think that we like to just have this great blessing come down. And, and that we become the person that we're going to be through, just through the blessing and not have to go through anything. Uh, unfortunately, that, that, that has never happened in human history. That when, we, when you walk through the fire and you get through on the other side and, and, and trusting in God the way that you needed to to get through the fire alters you. It changes your spiritual DNA and it begins to... You begin to be like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego when you go through that fire. Everything that held you back burns off uh, as you go through it. And you discover that you become another person. Uh, I know Mary and I, when we went through that 10-year period, and I mean, we, we went to hell and back and, and this saw some of the craziest stuff. Um, a good number of years later, her and I were talking, and, and she said, you know, uh, I thank God the, the day that that witch crawled in that van and all this stuff started unfolding. And I said, yeah, that, it, you know, it's like the old Mike and Mary died. And version 2.0 is just so much better. Because it, it got rid of a lot of the junk. It, 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 it really caused us to have a laser-like focus on many of the things that we, we do now in life that are now vitally a part of us. That if those things had not happened, we may have never reached where we are today. So, Dr. Lake, for the person that's struggling right now and uh, seeing all these things going on, and, and honestly, if you take a, an, just a look from a human standpoint without God, um, just from the worldly standpoint, it's a pretty scary age we're going into, for sure. What, what would you say to those that are believers that are struggling and seeing these things coming and, and they're suffering? I mean, what, what would you say to them right now? Well, number one, God's got your back. Uh, one of the things that was reassuring to me is, you know, we could have been born in any time in history. And God brought us into the kingdom for such a time as this. And there's a stronger version of on, us on the inside than we realize. And that everything, nothing the enemy can do can ever take God by surprise. 
And you you also have to take the book of Daniel and add to the book of Revelation. And one of the things that really gives me hope that it's kind of like my caffeine in the morning is there's there's a verse when it talks about how that the Antichrist is doing great exploits. Now, all, of, all times before this verse, it's great exploits. And then it kicks into exploits. The, the great is missing. But it's because there was another group of people that came in on the scene. And it said that there were those that knew their God and was able to do great exploits. And what you begin to find is that there is parity in the kingdom of God in the days ahead. That God is going to release a refreshing, he's going to release a power and a strength to his people. That no matter what level of occult power and technology and all these different things that they can bring, the kingdom of God has an answer to it, and God is able to maintain his remnant to where they're not only going to be faithful through the days ahead, but they're going to move in supernatural power that is going to be at, at, at par even with what the Antichrist himself can do. And I, I want to see that. I, I want to see the power of God throw, flow through his people because there still is yet a harvest to be won. And I, I want to see that harvest come in. I, I, want, I not only want to see them saved, I want to see them matured and functioning the way that God has seen before the foundation of the world that they could in the last days. I want to see them mature and to make every day hell on Satan until the Lord comes back. That, that's what I want. Amen. Uh, you know, looking back at my life and your life, and, and, and I've asked this several times and speaking many places, and I asked a simple question. When have you grown most in your life? Is it when everything's going good? Or is it when it seems like it's all falling apart? And it there's never fails that the answer is when everything's falling apart. And and for me, if that's the case right now on this earth, what is it going to be like when everything falls apart? I think God's going to do some work that we can in no wise even imagine. And I, I brother, I think we're we're seeing. Uh, I'm hearing reports come out of the Middle East that you know we. I, 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 want, I want to preface this by saying this. You know, ever, ever since I was saved, I heard, you know, even in the Baptist church, we need to have a, a book of Acts church once again, a book of Acts church once again. And now that book of Acts church, they saw miracles. They saw people raised from the dead. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle. And the more pressure the devil put on them, and they, they breeded like cockroaches. <laughs> you know, it, this is like the, the church thrived under, under, under state-empowered and religious-empowered persecution. And uh, I think we're beginning to see some of that in, in the world today. We're definitely seeing it in the Middle East. And there, there are supernatural stories of Muslims getting saved because Jesus showed up to them in dreams. Uh, I, I read a story that was last week on CBN that this man was an Iranian. He had a dream about Jesus get saved. And before this whole skirmish kind of evolved in Syria, uh, he found himself behind enemy lines and captured by ISIS. And because he was a Christian, they tried to burn him alive three times, Frank. And did you know he wouldn't burn? Wow. Mm. And he's preached the gospel. Or, or how that even in Chinese prisons, God supernaturally uh, saved people, and they're, they're out preaching the gospel now. There, there are miracles happening but what we have done in America is we have trusted in the affluence of Laodicea rather than the power of God. And let me tell you something. There are, there are situations that money won't get you out of. That's right. You know, but as, as things begin to shake and we begin to realize that, that the, the wealth of America and the, the affluence that we have enjoyed in America are even thinking that we were a Christian nation, uh, when there were actually dual destinies, there's a Masonic destiny and there's a destiny from God. They're warring right now over America. Uh, we, we counted on those things, and it, it caused us to not develop and press in enough to the kingdom of God as we should. And uh, I think that God is shaking things up so that we'll press into him. And when you do, the word comes alive. And I, I, hear, I hear people telling me, you know, I don't get nothing out of the word when I read it. And I'm thinking, I get overwhelmed. 
you know, I, I, I pull up one verse and then I teach on it for 30 weeks. You know, there's, it, it's, just, it's just coming alive in an unprecedented way. The Holy Spirit is speaking and he's giving strength and, and spiritual insights to those that will hear. But, but here's the key, Frank. You know, I, one, of the, one, of the, one of the things that brought Mary and I to where we were today, when, when you have people trying to kill you and you have people in the occult that know stuff that you don't know and they, they've, they know more about you than you know about yourself, as God begins to speak, you're willing to change anything to come in line with the kingdom. Mm. And you'll get radical about it. Mary and I begin to get radical about it. If it wasn't in the Word, we weren't going to do it. If it was in the Word, we're going to start doing it. Christ is the epicenter of all of it. And we began to be kingdom-centric, word-centric about everything that we did. I began re-examining all my theology, and I began exegeting the Scripture myself. And when I did, I was surprised at how much I had been taught both in seminary and from the pulpit that really no one properly exegeted those scriptures. Because if you did, you would know those scriptures do not say what people are preaching. That's right. That's right. And, uh, man, the, the, the Word of God is powerful, and it, it is uniform. There, there is no... I have people say, well, there's errors in the Word of God. There are no errors in the Word of God. There's misinterpretations that we confuse with errors. Mm. But once you, once you see that it's one God wrote through many men... But it, it's it's one it's it's the mind of Christ. It's one thought all the way throughout, and you begin to see the continuity. You know, we're we're, we're coming up to Pentecost uh, this weekend. You know, in the first time of Pentecost, God sets the fire, mountain on fire. Moses goes up, comes down with the Ten Commandments, and because they were basically having an orgy down there around a golden calf, three thousand people died. Okay. Yes. Nobody's ever connected to that, to where the Pentecost after Jesus rose from the dead, there were 3,000 saved. Amen. There's absolute symmetry in the Word of God. That's that's powerful, um, because it seems like every time everything's going wrong is when God does His greatest work. It was like that when Jesus, you know, He died on the cross, the disciples were absolutely wrecked um they thought that the kingdom was going to be they were confused and and it seemed like i'm sure it felt like a one of the darkest hours in their entire lives of course and then god does something unbelievable in their darkest moments he sends down you know this unbelievable infilling and outflowing of the spirit of the living god and it's so powerful that everybody around is, is getting catchy. And now we're at the same place again. And and God, I believe, is going to do that again. But it seems like we're inside the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's coming back to the disciples and like, couldn't you just watch with me one hour? Yeah. And unfortunately, too many are asleep. When, like you said, the Bible says that without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And, and like you said, when you started to diligently seek him, it changed radically for you. It did. I was really seeking him like my life depended on it because it did. And uh, I, I think in this day and this hour, and even when we deal with the day of Pentecost, and everybody gets caught up in speaking in tongues, and that's a... That's a whole other thing, but what people forget is the fire. Yes, we have got to have the fire of God. You cannot have a priesthood, and we have a we have a New Testament priesthood that's in Christ. And one of the reasons that we're wandering around trying to see who can make us feel better is because we have nothing to do because we have no fire. Mm. You know, and, and we and need seeking the I, face of I, God for the fire of the Holy Spirit. I agree. I agree, and folks, some of that begins when, like, when John um, the Baptizer, John the Baptist, was here. He, he talked about now it's time you know to lay that God's going to lay the axe to the root, and that's the painful part many times of the believer. But what what happens when the axe is laid to the root? That when the Lord drills down deep. And, and and Dr. Lake, you were there at that point in your life. And that's when the beauty 
it's a, when that seed hits the ground and dies, that at the moment when it dies and then it opens up, that's when the nutrients from the ground are received into the seed and that beautiful flower or plant or tree begins to come forth. And, and folks, sometimes if that's the moment that you're in right now, that feel like the, you're, the ax is being laid to the root in your life, that don't just hold on. Something beautiful is about to happen. We, we need you know, to let Jesus, when John the Baptist talked about Jesus coming with the fire, he said he was going to be on the threshing floor with a winnowing fan in his hand. And what we, what we haven't realized is that when Jesus takes the fan in his hand and begins to burn up the things that don't matter in your life, it's one of the greatest things he could ever do. Amen. Because it burns off the chaff of the world that's been holding you back, that's been poisoning your minds, that's been poisoning your life. And all of a sudden things begin to go and come into true perspective once again. For he begins seeking the kingdom of God and seeking it first. And then anything else you need in your life will be added to you. And we, we need to go, go back to that. It, it's, it's Jesus. He's the epicenter of everything. He's the beginning, the end, and everything in the middle. And when, when he consumes our life in that way, then we become the biggest threat that hell has ever seen. Wow. And just like the scroll of destiny, when Christ is in the midst, uh, at that time in the end, when those seals are being released, God's people are going to worship. They're going to worship. Yeah. And... Um, Folks, God has a song for you. It talks about them singing the song. That God has a song for you. And the great thing is, is that God actually, he sings. It's in the word of God. He sings. It's in the book of um, Zechariah, or Ze- Zephaniah, excuse me, chapter 3. The Lord will rejoice over thee with singing. I could only imagine, I thought it before, wouldn't that be incredible to know God singing a song for us, Dr. Lake? Wouldn't it be amazing? Yeah, we'll it rejoice is. singing. Man, I, you want to talk about not needing a quartet, pulling all the parts of harmony at once. Oh, my, that's going to be amazing. Hearing God sing. I'm looking forward and to it. And we, we need to understand that he's on our side. God's, God's not against us. He's for us. And I, I think the biggest problem that God has, you know, if, if God could have a problem, that's more of a uh, cliche saying, but the devil's not the biggest problem. It's, it's getting us out of the way. We're holding ourselves back. And if he could get us in line with his kingdom, the, one of, one of the, the, the principles that I see, when you renew your mind to the word of God, where you discipline yourself, and you understand the purpose of the commandments, ways, and statutes of God and how it flows with the kingdom, and you begin renewing your mind to it, what you think, what you speak, and what you do become one. Because that's the way God operates. He doesn't think one thing and say another. He doesn't say one thing and does another. They're all absolutely uniform. We're created in his image. We start thinking the word of God and speaking the word of God and doing the word of God that becomes a three-barrel shotgun in spiritual warfare that the enemy has a hard time coping with. Amen to that. It's like pulling all three triggers at once. <laughs> That's right. Um, he has no place. Amen. Well, Dr. Lake, thank you so much for coming on to the Remnant Call. And I'm going to ask, could you just close us out with a word of prayer um, and ask God, and I know there's a lot struggling, a lot of people. You could just pray um, for the people on the listening to this show. Um, and that God would just bless and keep everybody through to the very end. Well, Father, I know that you are easily touched by every infirmity that we have and every situation that we have, and you want us to get on the other side of it even more than we do. Now, Father, what I ask that you would release tonight is an anointing to see the root cause of the struggle. Father, whether it's something we need to repent of, something we need to confess, or something that we need to stand up and take our authority and to rebuke. Father, I ask that even tonight as we sleep, that the Holy Spirit would commune with us, and that if he has to give us a dream, he would give us a dream. But Father, show us the very hard issues 
of the struggle. Show us what they are so that we can address them and get on the other side of them. Father, I ask that you would set a fire on the inside of us, Father, a fire of purification, a fire of empowerment, a refiner's fire, but also a finisher's fire. That, Father, we're going to see this thing come to an end, that we're going to see this struggle come to an end, that we're going to see this hurt come to an end, and we're going to go on the other side of this thing stronger than when we began it, because the one who went through the fire was that fourth man in the fire for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And, Father, today we have that fourth man in the fire that's walking with us, and he will lead us into victory. Now, Father, for those that have wounded hearts, Father, I ask that you will loose the bomb of Gilead in their hearts and, Father, begin mending their hearts again. You are still Yahweh uh, Rapha, the God who slowly begins to knit us back together, Father. Knit hearts together, knit families together. Father, clarify minds. Your word says that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And, Father, therefore, I call for power, love, and that sound mind to take hold of your body and to begin permeating through every part of our being. And I ask that the Holy Spirit would rise up big within us to give us hope and to give us empowerment so that we can be that spot with that bride without spot nor wrinkle and that victorious remnant, Father, that are going to fulfill your purposes in the earth in these last days. And, Father, we thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, um, Psalm 133. A song of degrees of David, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Folks, God has a blessing from the top of your head all the way to the soles of your feet. And he's going to bring you through and your brethren and your sister and children and everything. God has a plan. In the book of Ezekiel, he talks about all the judgments. And though Noah and Daniel and Job were there, they couldn't deliver themselves. But then he says in the last part of that chapter, when I release all four of the judgments, God says at the same time, you will see sons and daughters delivered. At the end, at the worst, God's greatest work is going to happen, folks. Keep the faith. Dr. Lay, yes. thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Thank you so and and please remind everybody again how they can keep up with what you're doing uh, on your site and uh, the teachings that you have. Yeah, it's at kingdomintelligencebriefing.com, and if you go there, there there'll be a sign up on the right hand side. Just put in your email address and say subscribe. That way, when we put any kind of notice, whether it's a new video, new podcast, new book, or whatever, uh, you'll be immediately notified of it. Well, thank you very much, and God bless you for coming on, and folks. Keep in touch. Keep watching out what Dr. Lake has going on. I know you'll be blessed. And from Dr. Lake and Brother Frank here at the Remnant Call tonight to everyone, good night and shalom.